Hi, my name is Aaron McManus, and welcome to the Bad Ready Podcast. In this episode, I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer. Today is the day that we all vote. I do talk about who I vote for. My dad alludes to who he votes for. We talk a lot about politics. We talk a lot about how we can disagree. We talk a lot about disappointment. Um, but we want to make sure that no matter who you're going to vote for, we even if we disagree or you disagree with us, that we want to have the permission to disagree. Uh, by no means is this an episode to lean you one way or the other, but I do get a lot of requests, as, as does my dad, on who should we vote for in the middle of all of this. And so we have a dialogue of how we feel voting one way or the other and kind of my inner turmoil of how I voted and then seeing the ramifications of what that looks like. If you disagree with me, if you have comments, I hope that we can disagree well. But watch the Battle Ready podcast check out this episode and I'm here with my amazing dad for this one. Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus and I'm here with my dad, Erwin McManus. I am so glad to be here with you, Aaron. This is an exciting week. Uh, tomorrow is, actually today, is election day. Well, today is election day, which will be tomorrow because we're recording this on Monday. Yeah, Monday. For Tuesday. Up, for Tuesday. And it is election day. Which is and you're wearing your I voted sticker. I am um, wearing an I voted sticker. And I voted so long ago. I don't know where that sticker is. <laughs> but I I'm did. also wearing my Dodger jersey because yes. the Los Angeles Dodgers have won the World Series, and so I just wanted to give a shout out to L.A. Okay, uh, Lakers and Dodgers win the championship first time since 1988, where both teams won the championship. That was the year you were born. The year I was born. 32 years. It's been 32 years. It's one of the few good things about living in L.A. right now is that we have two champions. Yeah, that and Air One Grocery Store. <laughs> but the funny thing about this World Series is, like, it actually hurts how, like, it actually hurts me to think and talk about this because... It's been a hard week. All right. That's why I wanted it's today's topic. <laughs> yes, today's topic. What, can, you, can you establish that? Well, then we'll go into the subject. Yes. I, I felt we had both very personal and very uh, global um, issues to deal with. And so I wanted to yes. talk about dealing with disappointment. Dealing with disappointment. Because um, we, won't, we, we may not know who wins the election today or tomorrow or in the next few days or weeks. But whichever side you voted for... The other side is going to have to deal with disappointment. So how do you deal with not getting what you want? But I thought a good place to start with before we get to the election is what happened during the World Series because it's very personal. Well, it's interesting that you brought up this topic because we actually don't really talk a ton about what we want to talk about until we get here. Yeah. Obviously, we see each other and we like, mm -hmm. we'll bounce some ideas off, we'll shoot some texts, or we'll call each other. This would be kind of a cool topic. Yeah. But today, I think we both knew we were just going to show up with this. <laughs> and then you brought it up and you brought the title and, and you wanted to talk about disappointment. I wanted to talk about, um, I don't know what I called it. What did I call it? Oh, I reserved the right to change my mind. But I think we've already done an episode. Yeah. Did we already do an episode called that? Yeah, we did. But okay. I think that what you really wanted to talk about was the cultural pressure to conform. Because if uh, in LA, if you voted for Trump, you cannot even say that out loud because you're anathema a good Greek word. And then if you uh, live, let's say, in... Um, I, I can't imagine it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and if you live in other parts of the country, because Kim and I just drove last week through New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, 
Tennessee, North Carolina. You took a little bit of a road trip. Yeah, and I was overwhelmed because 90% of the trip was filled with Trump, Pence, billboards, um, flags, signs on houses everywhere. I'd say it was um, 100 to 1 Trump over Biden in terms of what I saw across the country. And I would have never... I would have never imagined that living in L.A. because in L.A., if you actually had a Trump sign, they would burn your house down. You, this is not really an expression of democracy right now. You're also, that's not a figure of speech. There's actually no. would be a fear. If you were a yes. store that had a Trump flag or, or sign on it, you would get burned down. Yeah, and so then I'm traveling to other part of the country and I realize, oh, wow, here I am across mid-America with, um, you know, this expression of... It felt like normacy of, you know, houses and homes and farms and, you know, and and all of a sudden I, I, I was actually, to be honest with you, I was shocked that so many people were not only Trump supporters, but openly Trump supporters. And I, I suppose that if you are in that part of the country and you said you were for Biden, although I, I saw some houses where there's a Trump poster, then the next house had Biden. Next house had Trump. Next house had Biden. And I thought, I wonder if in this part of the country they're allowed to disagree and still be neighbors. Uh, which, which... I wonder how it's going. Because here you can't. You really can't. You, no. But I, I was getting, okay, this is the debacle that I've had this week. I've had an <laughs> up and down week. We're going to get into some personal stuff too. But but um, let's see, where do we start? Uh, let's start a- with the World Series. MSC, yes. <laughs> MSC, our worship band from Mosaic, which how do you explain that? Our church sings music, and then the music's really good, so Capitol Records signed it, and they put out the albums each year, and it's pretty awesome. So they went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which I don't know if I was supposed to say where they were, but they were in Wyoming. I was with them. A couple of our creative guys went out as well, and a couple of friends joined us as well. And they and were writing music for the next album? Next album, we were documenting some of it, trying to like be behind the scenes and kind of show a little bit what's going on behind. Creating a great curtain. documentary film. Working on a documentary, hopefully like a couple episodes long, we'll see. So I'm there, and I'm not entirely sure when it happened, but I've, I've, I've haven't had my license for a while. I lost the actual card. I definitely have a license. And then when I was gonna get it renewed, COVID happened. So then my 10 year up, or my 10 year expiration Renewal, date, yeah. For, yeah, renewal for my license was up this year, 2020. And then in July, it's when my birthday is, but then obviously everything with COVID, so they just sent me a letter saying another six months, you can do it in 2021. So I haven't been worried about it. I've had my passport, it's how I get in everywhere, it's how everything happens. So to travel, you have to have your passport, even in the US. Even in the US. And yeah. so then in Wyoming, I do not know how it happened. I don't know if I was riding a bike, I don't know if I was running in the snow, I don't know exactly what was going on. Because we were popping around from house to house. We were going to get food, coffees, all this stuff. I've also been in like a different mode. I I don't know what is going on. I I have not been all there uh, with my memory and mentally. And I lose my passport. Mm -hmm. The same day that I'm supposed to be flying to meet you and a few friends at the World Series in Arlington, Texas. Because at the last minute, I had this, this idea. Let's go to the World Series. I text five of my friends. And I said, do you want to go to the World Series? And almost all of them immediately responded, yes. One of them said, well, I have to work. And I said, okay, you'll miss out. And then he changed his mind really fast. And so I I thought six of us could go and experience this uh, once-in-a-lifetime kind of moment. I figured it's a a quarantine-based World Series in Arlington, Texas. And I thought, I saw live people there. And if somebody got in there live, why can't we get in there live? And for me, a huge part of life is having unexpected shared experiences with friends. It's one of my highest values. So so then I, I lose my passport. I'm looking for it everywhere. 
I'm with some people from our team. They're looking for it. I, I had, you know, given Carlos all my jackets, and I'm like, is it in the jacket? Is it in my bag? It is in my backpack. It is the coffee shop. It is at the restaurant. It is at the grocery store. We stopped at. It was we had touched too many places too mm-hmm. quickly, and I had no idea. Is it in the snow buried somewhere? <laughs> so I go to the airport. I go through security, and as and it was like, and I have we're gonna we'll pop a photo up. So if you're looking at YouTube, I'm gonna show you a photo. By the time I get through security, when you go through security with no ID, it is like you are the the Unabomber. <laughs> it, it they 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 do everything but strip you naked and search <laughs> the entirety of every crevice in your body. And the best thing was in Jacksonville, it's not like LAX. They're the sweetest people in the whole world. And he looked at me like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, I'm trying to go to the World Series, man. He's like, okay. And he proceeds to take every single piece of clothing, like every jacket, every hat, all my shoes, the normal stuff. And then every piece of thing out of my backpack every headphone every bandana every like vitamin every toothpaste every single thing scanning each and everything separately through that's insane and i'm not no but this is the thing i had a long conversation with him about it he's like look like we understand we just want to make sure america's safe i want to make sure america's safe i'm the idiot who lost my id i'm not mad the one situation i'm not mad at tsa (laughs) (laughs) and they were very kind and they were very thorough and i missed my plane and so there we were. I'm stuck in Jackson Hole. You guys are on your way to Arlington. You're on a plane. And I went home like a child that day because I knew that I was, I knew I was bumming you out, disappointing you so badly. I went home and just sat there on the couch by myself for like two or three hours. I even texted like one of my best friends and was like, I missed my plane. They weren't empathetic at all. And so I just, I just kind of wanted to wallow in it. And it just, it was what it was. And I missed the World Series. And a part of my motivation is to create this great experience for you. The, but, you know, yeah, and it makes it worse because we're actually like a fan. Like, this is the thing. Like, we're mm-hmm. a family and, like, we get very sensitive about missing things. So I yeah. knew it was going to, I knew you were going to feel it worse than I would because I would just be mad at myself. But you were, you were bummed. Yeah, I was really disappointed. So both of us had to deal with disappointment. 32 years old. And I'm still making my dad disappointed. Well, I, I wanted to do something here on Battle Ready. Okay. I brought you something from What'd the World Series. Me? Oh, that's very sweet. And it should fit you? I don't think it will because I have the smallest head in the whole world. So I'm not going to put it on. Try Just out of embarrassment. On, no, 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 no. I'm literally not going to. It ain't going to fit. It is. It's a small. Oh, it fits. Ah, look at that. Look at that. For the thumbnail. Come on. We didn't have to deal with disappointment right now. <laughs> okay. Here we go. <laughs> Putting the hat on. Wait, is this a Dodger podcast right now? I can't. Sorry. It's absolutely a Dodger podcast Sorry, right Brian. Now. There is no Colorado Rockies gear allowed on this podcast. <laughs> so here's my Dodger hat. Here we are. Um, thank you so much. It means a lot. It still makes me sad. So but let's talk a little bit about dealing with disappointment. Should we talk about the emotional breakdown I had the night before the World Series? Or you do you want to just skip you, over You that? can be as transparent as you'd like. <laughs> we can. Let's work ourselves backwards. So... Uh, do, where do we want to go to next? Do we want to talk about politics? Do we want to talk about... Well, first of all, I think everyone who's listening has probably had a time where they had to deal with disappointment. They missed out on an opportunity. They made a mistake that cost them something that they wanted or loved. And I think it's important to just talk about it on a personal level. Where'd you get this? The kid's store? 
In all honesty, like, tell me the truth. You get this in the kids' store? No, we were really careful to find a hat that would fit you. Not me. It says World Series on it. So Who's the kid that tried this on? Was he 12? <laughs> I don't know what happened. My head, Mariah's head is, the, is, is a bobble head-sized head, and I Just got like the little mine. I know. Mariah has a large head yes. like mine. And but mom has it. It doesn't matter. Okay. We want to talk about disappointment. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So what helped you? All right. So you missed this opportunity. What helped you through it? Well, one, I reached out to a friend, and they were like, well, turn yourself around. Turn it around. I was like, "That's not helpful." And they're like, "You missed the World Series." Like, you won't mix it. You won't miss it next time. I was like, "Okay, that's actually really good advice." I do think. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I don't. I wouldn't say that I'm like the victim ever, but I do feel like sometimes I I take on a victim mentality, or I take on a mentality where I'm like, I let myself get sad. And then sad doesn't help anyone. Sad doesn't help myself. Sad doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't feel that way, but it does do something to your own self mentally when you feel like you just let yourself dig a deeper trench, mm -hmm. a deeper grave. And you're just like trying to bury yourself. And I don't understand. I think it's something that I've dealt with since I was a young kid. And I think it's a mentality shift. And even though you raised me with this mentality that you'd always say this to me as a kid, McManus is never give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think, but then there's so much tied into that. Like, I, we don't give up, but sometimes we don't even try. Or I feel like I don't even try because I don't want to have to get to a place where I give up. So I just quit before, I quit while I'm ahead. Hmm. You know, I don't even begin. And I live in a place where I just get afraid. And even though it has nothing to do with the World Series, I do feel like it is odd. It is an odd behavior or mentality or a, a pattern that I have in my life where I deal with disappointment badly. Hmm. So how do I process that a bit better? You know, one thing that I think came out of it that were, I think, good learning points were I was really sad. And, and I had yeah. to make a decision. Do I stay in my disappointment because you didn't make it and ruin the evening for these four other guys? Yeah. And we had a brief conversation. And what I, one thing I appreciate is you released me to enjoy the night. Right. And I, I thought that's one thing you did that was really mature and really noble. Right. You're like, Dad, I want you to have a great time. Right. And there was, a, there was almost like a release where I want you to have fun. You don't have to be miserable because I'm miserable. Right. And I think a lot of times misery not only loves company, misery ensures that it has company. Yeah. We're like the drowning swimmer. We, want everyone else, we just want everyone else to drown. Even if we do it subconsciously, we just end up knocking everyone else out. But I, I do... I, we, I had a bad 24 hours. I don't really know if we want to go that, that much into it, but I, but, but there was definitely something when I was in Jackson Hole, like something emotionally happened. Like, I don't know if it's just living in LA the last, well, the last six years of my life and then before that in New York and then before that back in LA, but I don't know what it is or if it was just this year or maybe it's just the stuff I've gone through this year. But when I got to kind of the wilderness, when I got to the snow and or to the cold and to the mountains and just this, something released in me emotionally because I was mm. struggling heavily. Mm. And I had reached out to you and you were checking in, like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't think I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And and we kind of got into a fight and I, and meaning I was trying to fight you, I think. And, <laughs> and we were just having like this text thing. And I realized so quickly that I can let so many things outside of my own life or so, so many things inside of my life affect my mental health or affect my mm -hmm. personal well-being. Or And I, do we need to be more guarded or how do we filter those things? Because I, I feel like this year has just been incredibly tough, mm -hmm. disappointing in a lot of ways, but also so much good has happened. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. the moments where I'm able to like get a reprieve from my own emotions and like 
self-talk. Mm-hmm. I realize how much we've accomplished and how much we will accomplish. But there's this overwhelming sense of like loneliness and disappointment and frustration of like, I went to you this morning and was like, if, if, could we both were out of town and we both came back in town? I'm like, I can't stay in LA for another eight months if we shut back down again. If the world shuts back down again, I can't stay here. They took away everything last time. <laughs> like, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. But then it's like, where do you go? And mom was, my mom is like a warrior. She's like, we stand our ground. I'm like, what does it mean? <laughs> we stand our ground. This isn't Braveheart, man. Like, I could stand my ground somewhere else and FaceTime the ground. <laughs> and we were having this whole argument. And anyways. Well, I, I want to um, go back because I think you did something else that was really important. Not only did you release me to have fun and to enjoy myself, and I think that's an important thing and disappointment okay. is don't bring everybody else down. Find a way to release other people. And, uh, but you also then said, you know, give the ticket away, find someone who really would want to go. And I gave you some suggestions. And you did. And so then I contacted um, Joshua Kraft, the son of Keith Kraft, yeah. and they're, uh, they've been really great friends and yeah. the, the, their church has actually helped Mosaic financially and yeah. um, supported us and just beautiful people. And he doesn't even like baseball, but just the, <laughs> and, uh, but just the idea of getting to hang out. To, to me, the gift was... You don't even really like baseball. I just love experiences. Well, we do and, like playoff baseball. That's yeah. different. Yeah. The World Series is different. And and one of the guys, one of the guys on our team, Kevin Pena, uh, he's a huge Dodgers fan. I think he was born with blue blood in, um, in his system. And one of the things that gave me so much joy was taking him because it's an opportunity probably he wouldn't get at this time in his life. Right. I mean, one day he'll... You'll have the wealth and capacity. You have to do it that. so good, Kevin Pena. Can we talk about this? You have it so incredibly good. You're welcome. Yeah, but you know, to me, it's like all those times where Kevin ran out for me to get me something I needed or yeah. pick up coffee or yes. just, you know, uh, grab my luggage or f- grab something I forgot and just do it with such kindness and grace and joy. There That's not, just a way to, for me yeah. to say, Kevin, thank you so much and I love you and I hope you had a, uh, an experience you'll never forget. And it's interesting because I follow this weird account on Instagram mm-hmm. now and I genuinely, it's like anonymous or something, like something random, mm-hmm. but it's all this dirt. It's just really bad. <laughs> I should not follow this as like, but it's all this dirt on like celebrities that text oh. into this huge Instagram and then he posts the text, but he keeps people anonymous. And so it's like, you can tell when it's like throwing a, a like a big celebrity into the bus and then they're like yeah I was their personal assistant for three and a half years and they did this 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 and this and I'm like well at least Kevin can never throw you under a bus <laughs> he's like yeah Erwin took me to the World Series and like well but and, and that's, all that to like, say I should unfollow that account <laughs> but like Josh had this great experience yeah and and I think sometimes when you're dealing with disappointment a, a great thing to do is to turn it outward and go, how can I bless someone else? How can I serve someone else? How can I add value to someone else's life? And that instantly turned that moment to something really good. And I think Josh sent you a text saying, I'm sorry you missed the World Series, but I'm glad you did. <laughs> or yeah, something like that. it was very backhanded. It was very, it was like, I'm so sorry you missed the World Series, but I'm kind of glad you did because then I got to go and hang out with your dad and all his friends. And I love Josh and he's the best. And yeah. we've texted since. He but, sends me the best encouraging text. But I, I think that um, one of the things that happens in disappointment is that our our, our brains interconnect experiences. Mm. So when we have a negative experience, what ends up happening is every similar experience in our life is suddenly flooding into that moment. So do you think dis- 
disappointment connects like a daisy chain into our past. So the yes. moment we're, we're, we're disappointed here, it fires this line of like every time I've ever been disappointed in my entire life. Yes, and that's right. People who, people who are overwhelmed by disappointment or a, a moment of disappointment um, usually are not good at releasing the disappointments of the past. Do you feel like that's the case though in other situations in our life? Like, do you feel like if someone who gets angry easily, it's because it's connected to the moments where they've been angry in their past? Or do you feel like when people walk away from conversations and get really mad, do you feel like that's because maybe someone walked out on them in their past? And I, don't, I mean this because I like have deep abandonment issues, trust issues, all these things. So I'm like, when I, is it is it something that is, are all things like this, or is it just disappointment? No, it's, I think it's every human emotion, and especially the ones that remain unchecked. And so if you've been betrayed a thousand times in the past, the moment it looks like someone's betraying you, you project it as betrayal. And if, um, so you know, how do we be disappointed people who don't live disappointed lives? Well, that's a really good question. Well, I think you have to decide which memories you will allow to be pulled into a moment. So are you saying, well, so is that selective memory? Is that repressing stuff that you should It's not be repressing, but I do think it's selective. Okay. And everyone has selective memory. Uh, people who are filled with negative memories are being incredibly selective and only keeping the negative memories. And people who seem to be optimistic and keep positive memories, they are being selective. They're choosing to highlight the positive memories in their life. And so I had to make a decision that night. Would I let that memory be completely defined by the disappointment of you not making it. It's interesting. And, and or was I going to let that evening be defined by the joy that all these people that I brought together were experiencing that moment? I did feel like because you were calling me and so is Eric Roy and you two are <laughs> both um, uh, emotional young men. <laughs> and I thought you both were going to cry. And I'm like, I'm the one who should cry. I'm the one not going to the World Series, hanging out with my friends. But also I didn't, but I was also just pissed at myself because I was I was upset with myself for, for missing it and making such a stupid error. We've talked about this in the past. It is wild how you can be so in love with someone and then they hurt you so bad. And then six months later, you don't remember all the dumb things they did to you. and that you, Or maybe you did to them, mm -hmm. both sides but you remember how much you loved them. Like, do you think certain emotions are more powerful than others? Like, is love more powerful than disappointment? Well, I don't know if that's love as much as it is loss. I think sometimes we confuse the emotion of um, almost like, um, of not buyer's remorse, but loser's remorse, that when, when we lose a relationship, it's almost like we want it back more than we wanted it when we were in it. And I don't think that's love. I think it's dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've definitely told, yeah, dysfunction. And, uh, I've definitely told you I need to get out of the situation. I don't know how. And then you're like, why? Six months later, why are you still in the same situation? Yeah. Because I don't know how. It's, but you do know how, you, what you really mean is I don't want to. Right. But with disappointment, <laughs> I feel like the difference, like you could have easily stayed disappointed with yeah. me afterwards, but you didn't. You released it pretty quickly. You're like, are you good? You called me later that night. Yeah. You're like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm annoyed with myself. And you're like, okay. Then I moved I'm on. Too. Yep. Then I was thought, okay, we're going to get a hat. We're going to make you a part of the experience as much as we can. Yeah. All right, so let's make this bigger now. Well, well hold on. Okay. I want to I want to set this up. All right. You but you can it set it up if you want. No, no, you set it up. Go on. So we're talking about disappointment, mm -hmm. how to handle disappointment, mm -hmm. how it's okay to leave disappointment and move on. You good? Yeah. 
So how are we going to deal with half the country being disappointed on Tuesday, tomorrow, today, while which you're is, listening? Which to is this? why I thought this podcast was so important. Because did, did I set that up? Oh, okay. you set it up so well. And because you missing the World Series is a personal disappointment. It's a family disappointment. It's a dad-son kind of disappointment. We wanted this experience together. But right now, we're going to face a national crisis of disappointment. That was Justin Turner's swing, by the way, if you weren't sure. Keep going. And I, I know in um, in the last election yes. that uh, Hillary Clinton, I think, won the popular vote by 3 million votes. I think it's 3 million. And, um, and I don't know the entire number of people who voted um, as opposed to our population. We can fact check this and then we can add in at the end if you want. But but um, I, I but say what you're going to say and then yeah. we will like, we'll, so, we'll break it down. After. You know, let, let's let's because I understand. I understand. Yeah, what you're yeah. Saying. yeah. You know, because we have over 300 million people in our country. Right. And so let's say um, 100 million are disinterested. They're just apolitical and don't care. But um, maybe 100 million people would um, lean toward Hillary Clinton. And do you have the numbers for the voting last time? Yeah, there was around uh, 130 million votes in the popular, and she won the popular vote by about 3 million. Right, okay, so the 130 would be divided almost in half. Yes, it was 65 million to 62 million. Right, so you're looking at 65 to 62 million people. I'm assuming more than that number actually care, but they don't vote. Yes. You know, because a lot of people protested after... um, President Trump won, but we find that many of those people didn't vote. And so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to throw it up to 100 million, but at least it's 60 million on each side. So I know for certain that at least 60 million people are going to be disappointed tomorrow. Either 60 million plus who voted for Donald Trump, but, joy, jo, but Joe Biden becomes president, or 60 million plus who voted for Joe Biden and Donald Trump becomes president. And my question is, does how you deal with disappointment say less about the issue and more about your character? See, because I, I, I think that we have a, a, a generational crisis in that um, when you have a generation who, let's say, voted Democrat for President Obama, and those were their first two elections. Brian, did you, start, did you vote for president before Obama? No, Obama's my first. He's your first president. So you kind of, and how old are you right now? I'm 29. 29. So oh, you voted for him in the second term. Oh, I'm yeah. saying you voted, you voted in that election. Because he, he was first elected in 28, 2008. Mm-hmm. You're 29. I'm 32. So I would have voted in both. And, and you both. voted both times, right? Yes, I voted both times. I voted both times because I remember driving three hours to get to my hometown to from college to vote. And is it okay for me to say who you voted for back then? Well, I'm going to go into that. So okay, don't, okay. don't ask All right, me so, just yet. And is there, Brian, is it all right if I talk about you? Yeah. Okay, because what I'm saying is like, you're a generation where from all your memory, who you wanted was elected president mm-hmm. through the two terms with President Obama. Yeah. And, and then suddenly it's not the Democrat, it's the Republican. And there was a really... Uh, a negative reaction to that. And I think a huge part of that wasn't just political. It was um, the psychological trauma of never experiencing disappointment before, of not knowing what it feels like to lose and not knowing how to lose with elegance or with honor. And, uh, and like, I'm 62, so I, I, I've seen the, the full weight of Democrats, Republicans, Republicans, Democrats. Who would have and- been the president when you... 
Like when you first can remember, who was the first president you remember? Well, I mean, the first president I remember was John Kennedy. Wow. So I've been around a long time. Oh, oh wow. And, and, you know, so I would have been a person who, I would be one of those people who loved John Kennedy, right. wanted Robert Kennedy to be president. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't a, a big fan of LBJ. You, you know, I, I, I'm, I would be one of those people who was not for Richard Nixon. Hmm. And, um, and probably would have, I, I came to faith around the time of Jimmy Carter, um, around 1978, Jimmy Carter became president in 1976. So I'm giving you way too much history, but, um, and I was not a follower of Christ. So the first time I ever saw the phrase born again was I think the cover of Time Magazine with Jimmy, cover, uh, Jimmy Carter's face on it. So um, my understanding was that the Christian party was the Democrats. There was, keep going, I'm yeah. gonna Google this. This so, is crazy, I didn't know that. So 1980 was when Ronald Reagan uh, won the first time through. And it's funny, I don't have all this memorized. This is just my common memory of the history. And, um, and I remember at that time being so um, much more of a Democrat that I couldn't imagine anyone ever voting for Ronald Reagan. And it's because that was my background in so many ways. Um, and, and then in the middle of that time, I, I had kind of... Um, some, I, I spent 10 years working with the urban poor. My economic philosophy began to change. Um, I began to realize that a lot of my views for creating a better world, for dealing with social inequity, dealing with economic inequity, uh, dealing with racial um, injustice, um, were probably not as functionally effective as I'd hoped. And, uh, and so I began looking at things on a more, much more broader level. But uh, all I'm saying is that there was a time in my life where I remembered Christians were the Democrats, and then there was a time in my life where all of a sudden all the Christians were Republicans. And, and, and you were alive during the switch. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting to me that we live in this era where if you're, quote, a Christian, you're supposed to vote a certain way. But I was a pastor of a black church for nearly 10 years of my life. And anyone who is um, really involved in black culture knows that black churches historically uh, have been very political. Uh, they would tell you who to vote for in church. That wasn't even abnormal. It wasn't even seen as a contradiction of separation of church and state. And that oftentimes black churches were, were democratic in, uh, in their view or Democrats. And then uh, it was it was only in the 80s with the moral majority and all of them where you suddenly had like white evangelical churches becoming political more. And, um, and then all of a sudden now it becomes a question of separation of church and state. It was never an issue on the, on the, uh, on the Democrat side, but did become an issue on the Republican side. And all this to lead to this moment of going, um, Kim asked me, she said, I, I'm so tormented about who I voted for. I don't even know if I voted for the right person. I, and I looked at her and I said, honey, I, I, I can guarantee you that no matter who you voted for, you voted for the wrong person. And, right. and, and well, why'd we, you say that though? Well, because there isn't a right person because they're, uh, and from my perspective, um, neither one of them express who I am or, or the world I want to create. And, and then behind the individuals, because you're not always voting for an individual. Sometimes you're voting for a party, and sometimes you're voting for policies. And, and when we try to personalize everything, we're, we're actually being very limited in our thinking. Some people are voting for an individual. They may love Joe Biden, or they may love Donald Trump. But some people may be um, voting for those individuals 
with um, with an asterisk. They may not love Joe Biden. They may not love Donald Trump, but they believe in the party. And then some people go, I don't know if I believe in the party, but there's some particular policies that are really important to me, and I'm voting for those policies. And and that's why when you demonize people and go, oh, everyone who votes for Trump is a racist, I, I think it's really um, unhealthy and it's uh, unfair. And and if you demonize everyone who votes for Biden and say, oh, you're a socialist, I just think it's 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 absurd and and equally um, destructive to our cultural conversation. People vote in very complex ways, and I hope they're voting in a very thoughtful way. But my question is not even about who you voted for. Well, is, I don't agree with that statement. Which I do statement? not actually think people vote in very complex ways. I think voting is very complex because there's a lot of confusion. But I do think most people vote in the most simplest form. You're probably right. Okay, I'll concede yeah. my point and yeah, say I, I, I th think vote. Well, no, I think when you say everyone votes for the same reasons, that's what I mean. It's not true. Like, well, I don't know who says that. Well, Who's saying that? Well, it, when you say everyone who votes for Trump is a racist right, and right, everyone right, who right, votes right. for Biden is a socialist, that's right. a When really, you use these like big generalist like general, generalizations, generalizations yeah. these big umbrella statements about Trump people or Biden people, you start to, we start, we, 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 we're, we're playing a very dangerous game now in the U.S. Yeah. And I was listening to uh, the Joe Rogan, <laughs> Kanye West <laughs> podcast. I only made it like it's so long. I made it through an hour and 20 minutes. And even then I was like, I'd rather listen to Kanye's records. So I switched it over. <laughs> but he did make one really I love Kanye. Like love him or hate him. I've been a I've I love Kanye. And incredibly nice person. The time I got the few times I've gotten to meet him. The this is one thing he said that I thought was really funny. He says to Joe Hogan, that presidential debate. That's family business. <laughs> that should not have been televised for the whole world. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> He's just breaking down. He's like, you want the whole world at your dinner table with your wife? No. With your mom? No. So do not let the whole world. He's like, the whole world thinks we're crazy mm -hmm. because we're in a time in our history, right. a time in history where we don't all agree. And we agreed, we would disagree very adamantly. He's like, that stuff needs to be maybe the U.S. only and then slowly <laughs> release over time. I do kind of wish that our, gets our political process was a private process. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, and it does feel like the world stage, right? It, it does. Is. It does feel like whether you like it or not, whether we like it or not, it does feel like the whole country. And I'm not saying the U.S. is the most important country in the world. That's not mm -hmm. what I'm saying. I'm just saying I think because the U.S. has had such an influence on culture mm -hmm. historically that we – there's so many eyes on the country. And then it does sometimes some bad, more bad than good. Yeah. And, you know, it, it does feel like we're shutting back down again, COVID-wise. Not so right. much us, but a lot of major um, cities that are blue. You know, LA is really going to quarantine, I'll bet you. Yeah, and, and we're hearing from Europe and London. London and all, said they're like, complete shutdown. Shutting everything back down. And so it feels like it's going to trickle back into the States. Yeah. I was just in Wyoming. People, you know, people did make sure, hey, can you make sure you have your mask on? And, mm -hmm. and but people were really kind about it. People weren't very nervous. People, mm -hmm. people were very sweet about things. And then I went to Arizona and that is where things got weird. <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about because Arizona is a swing state right now, isn't it? Yeah. They're swinging for something. <laughs> because I get a lot of emails on the Better Ready podcast. But if you're listening from Arizona, we love you. 
You know, I actually, I'm looking at, I, I look looking at, at houses, houses over there, I'm like, so. I, I really love you. I really, I really love anywhere I can go outside and, and go inside and eat food and go outside and feel normal and not have to worry about, you know, um, someone yelling at me or crossing the street because I'm walking and you without said people a mask were like or, waving at you when you people were saying hi, who were talking? Like I was dri- driving my car, looking through, like looking around neighborhoods and I had a friend showing me around and people were saying hi to us waving and and i was like do you know them like no i don't know them just so but you also people are nice here you said something was a little bit unusual yes but i want to preface it by this i get a lot of emails on the podcast um email and aaron at batteratypodcast.com i get so many emails if you emailed me please be patient i'm coming i have over 200 emails in there i got to get back to every time i get it down to like 150 it goes back up so i'm just you know here we are one actually this last week was on abortion and pro-choice, um, pro-life, and it was a young guy, and it was just being very transparent, very vulnerable. Like, I voted for this president because I, you know, believe this, this, and this, but then I do not like this candidate because this, this, and this, and he's like, I'm just so confused. Very raw and very like, hey, can you help me? How do you walk through the process? So, you know, from my side, I'm going, this is the podcast side. This is my personal opinion. This is how I feel and this is how I wrestle with it biblically and spiritually, but also in a human, in a humane, human way. Because I do think that I, I don't know. And then maybe you can. This is, and I want to be more honest. And I'm nervous about this because I do think that our friends who are awesome and cool and intelligent and successful, and most of your friends, my friends are all pretty young, um, and they're all cool, but not quite successful yet. We're getting there. Um, I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of judgment from your friends people who I really respect, people who are artists and that I look up to. And so this is this is an email I got this week from Courtney. I'm nervous. Aaron, I deeply respect the views you and your dad share in Battle Ready. And I, and I am aware you refuse to say on the podcast who you will slash have voted for. I'm looking forward to hearing Irwin dissect whoever wins the presidency. But I'm honestly fearful of either one of them. Trump or Biden, staying slash becoming president. I want to vote, but I don't know how to cast my ballot. The choice isn't clear. All that's clear for me are the things I don't agree with on either side. My conscience weighs heavy. Would you be willing to share your thoughts? Would you be vulnerable and tell me who you are voting for? Thanks for any insight, Courtney. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I was feeling very free and open this morning. And I, you know, I preached for the first time this last Sunday and I'm out of breath because I'm actually really nervous. And I've dealt with a lot of anxiety coming up to Sunday. And I've dealt with a lot of relationship stuff, friend stuff, work stuff, mental stuff, like everything that could have possibly gone wrong in probably a week and a half. And it's crazy how it works because like, I do feel like on one side of my, my life, I am called to, to speak and, and have, and I don't know if it's to be a pastor, but to speak and to, and to help people and to walk people through maybe the things I've done right or wrong. But then also on the other side, I absolutely hate doing it mm-hmm. and not hate doing it. I feel incredibly uncomfortable doing it. So it's, it's not so much that I dislike anyone in the process. Um, I responded like this, and then we might cut this out. We might bleep out some names, actually. So these are not cuss words. These are just me saying who I voted for, or maybe Brian might bleep them out out of my own protection. I responded this. 
I voted for Obama twice and Hillary once, and then I voted for Trump because I'm a Democrat whose party has abandoned itself. I don't fully believe in calling the left socialists is fair, but it isn't entirely wrong. There's a brilliant podcast with Sam Harris, who's a Democrat atheist, talking about why he left, why the left is divided and it is being taken over by socialists. And then I go to red states and feel nervous. The red state I went to was Arizona and feel nervous about its aggression. But I live in a very blue state that lit itself on fire and pillaged its own stores, and I'm a little disgusted. I love my gay friends and want them to have rights. I believe God would never take away our right to choose even our own demise. In parenthetical thought, I said he still let Eve pick from the tree even after he told her not to. I don't look for the perfect choice because I've never been the perfect choice. I look for the choice that frees, that I feel frees the most people and keeps the government small. Given. And I said, I hope this helps Aaron. Given. I hope she doesn't work for the Times. <laughs> and any of the Times, it could be like the, the you know, the Jackson Times. It, I say that meaning this, like, I voted for who I voted for the most recent. But I want to start with the first one because I was at school at Pepperdine, a wildly conservative school, who's the head of, the, who the dean of the law school was Ken Starr, who was fighting against gay rights. Who led the impeachment who, of... President Clinton. Yes, who also was the lead counsel, like, advisor to, I think, against Prop 8. Is it Prop 4? No, it's Prop 8. Prop 8 sounds right. Prop 8? Right. But I never remember which way. He basically was saying Prop eight. gay people should not get married. Right. And I'd made sure I drove three and a half hours to, and I loved this school. I very much loved this school. Um, drove three and a half hours to get back home to where my ballot was so I could vote for the first time for President Barack Obama. And I, would, it, would the right terminology be against Prop? No, I'd be, no prop, I'd be voting for Prop 8, right? For gay prop, rights. Prop 8 eliminated the right of same-sex couples to marry. So I'd be voting against Prop 8. Yeah. yeah. So I voted against Prop 8, which I remember sitting at the dinner table with mom having a huge conversation about it because that was it was very controversial back then. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal for me, especially growing up the way we grew up. You never put any political pressure on us. You've always been very political, very politically, um, uh, I don't know how to say it, like not Switzerland, because you definitely have strong beliefs. Yeah. I think I was politically, I was neutral in terms of party, but not necessarily always neutral in terms of policies. Yes. So you always helped us on the ideas and the ideals, but yeah. you didn't. But and you always kind of just let us figure out who we felt was the right candidate. Yeah. So and even what policies you were really committed to. Right. I never tried to impose those on you. No. And you never disagreed. Not that you never disagreed. You would say if you disagreed, but there was, it was always deeper, and it was always mm-hmm. more more of a human conversation. It was more about the why. The why, and yeah. do you understand what this means? And mm-hmm. do you do you what is it actually that you're fighting for? And will you know and and so I think now, what is it, 12 years later from the first time I voted or the first presidency I voted for in um, the first election that I voted in, I'm now wildly disappointed in the party that I've grown up in. I say that because I've always had conservative values and very liberal human rights values mm-hmm. because I've always believed that, that I've always believed biblically and humanly and politically, that God gave us the right to choose, mm-hmm. and not. And I'm not saying this in the way political form. I'm saying that literally, God has always given us the right to choose to live with God, or to not. And so, it for you, it seems 
hypocritical to vote for the government to eliminate people's right to choose when yes. God doesn't lim- eliminate our right to choose. Whether or not I agree with the choice, I have to feel like I believe that God disagrees with so many of my choices, and yet he doesn't take my choice away from me. Mm-hmm. He wins me with love, right? Mm-hmm. I say that very nervously because I understand what the right will think, though I am, I think, very right. and very, Not right. Wait, now we're getting confusing. <laughs> though I do feel that I lean very conservatively, mm-hmm. more now than ever. And so, but I also say this and I re- reserve the right to change my mind later mm-hmm. because I vote for Trump and then I left for Jackson Hole and then I was mad because mom said she would drop off the ballot and then she didn't. And then it was like this whole thing. And I was like mad because I was like, oh, it was this funny thing. And then she was like, oh, I dropped off the ballot. Everything's good. And then I go to Arizona and then I see all these kids with like Trump flags and these trucks and these like wealthy people with bumper stickers. And I asked my friend, like, do you feel nervous when you're in L.A. because of how much like Biden Harris presence there is? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, it's interesting because I feel, even though I voted that way, I was very much second guessing my vote because of the people that were like associating with. Mm-hmm. And so I had this in, and I call it everything I mean, we talked about. It. I'm like, I have, I'm having this in, I'm having a lot of inner turmoil because I don't feel like I voted for that president, even though I did. I voted for maybe that party. Because yeah, I know how much actual disdain you've had. Thoroughly dislike him. <laughs> Thoroughly, like adamantly, vehemently. He does, does I, he bothers me. But I also believe that less government is better than more government when the people who will have the more government, a bigger government, aren't the right people to be running it. And, and, I, and I'm totally okay with you disagreeing because sometimes I wake up and I disagree with my own self. Yeah. I, I, I think the, a huge part of the d- dilemma is um, even when the person that I vote for wins, I find myself oftentimes disappointed. And, um, and so you have to, you, you can't look to the election to solve all your problems for the human dilemma. That, that, that's why we really are about Jesus and that, uh, and we really do believe that w- the revolution he started is the one that makes the world better and makes people better and they create a better future. And, you know, our, our neighbor, but then mom mm. said, can I write Jesus in? And you said, absolutely no, not. That's a cop out because Jesus isn't running for president. <laughs> <laughs> he's the savior of the world, but he's not the president of the United States. <laughs> right. Right. So he's the hope for humanity, but, but, and it bothers me when Christians try to act like the president is God's chosen one to save America. But I think that works both ways because if Trump was the chosen one, then Obama was chosen <laughs> twice. Right? That, that, yeah, <laughs> was the chosen one. And Christians twice. keep changing their mind. They go, they, oh, "No, yes. that, that's God's person." And I go, well, "How come I never heard you say that with President Obama?" I, but but it also flips because I remember when President Obama won the election the first time. Yeah. And AP called me from Washington. Yeah. And they asked Associated me. Associated Press. Associated Press, and they said to me. What's it feel like to have the first non-Christian president? And I said, I have no idea what it feels like because President Obama is a Christian. And, and they said, what? And I said, haven't you read his autobiography? I said, he, he at least three times talks about his encounter with Jesus. And, and they go, what? And I'm going, you're Associated Press. And you're trying to promote him as a non-Christian president. I said, do you know why you don't know he's a Christian? She goes, well, why? I said, because you like him. 
Yeah. And you don't like Christians, so you can't put them in that category. <laughs> Look, President Obama is the only president who ever invited me to the White House multiple times. I, I, I'm the, he's the, he's, he's the, he's the only, only one you've said yes to. Okay. Maybe he's the only one that said yes to. All right. So let's be specific. And, but okay. he's the only president I know of that ever had Easter services in the White House. Yeah. And the first president in modern in U.S. history to do that. And, and so, I, I, I mean, the first time I met President Obama and uh, Joe Biden was actually at the Easter service in the White House. So don't tell me that just because the person is a Democrat that there's no faith there. And you're not a Democrat. I'm not. You're not a Republican. I am not. You, my friend, <laughs> my father, confuse me. I do not believe that we should be in, um, imposing our, our beliefs or morality on people through political power. Yeah. And and so I'm a person who would never try to limit anyone's freedom and even if they disagree with me. And I know that pastors don't understand it because I think a lot of pastors think that governments should be manipulated to force a nation to act like it's Christian. And I think that actually goes contrary to the scriptures and to the message of Jesus. And I think it hurts the gospel. See, Mosaic is here for liberals and conservatives. Mosaic is here for Democrats and Republicans. Mosaic is here for Libertarians and the Green Party because Jesus died for the world. You're campaigning because we're both nervous right now. No, it makes me mad. I know it makes you mad. It makes you mad because your very friends that will be mad at you for what I said, they'll never listen to me speak again. They will never invite their friend to listen to me speak again. Cannot get over the fact that I'm a Democrat that voted Republican and is has been won over. To, but I've always been more conservative in so many other ways. But you grew up in L.A., there's no way I'm not going to want my friends to have rights. There's no way. Like, this is political. This isn't, this isn't, this is political. This is human rights. This isn't biblical and what I actually believe in as far as what God wants for us. And maybe that's, maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe I need to mature. Maybe I need to grow. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I need to like figure it out more. But, but right now where I'm at, I know that I'm offending a lot of people and it bothers me because I'm like, no, we should be able to, we should actually want to go somewhere that disagrees with us, but still preaches, still speaks to truth because I've never leaned either way in a message. Mm -hmm. If anything, to my disgust I've prayed for my enemies because <laughs> I believe it says that in Matthew 5 44 pray for your enemies those who persecute you God calls us to do it and I feel like there's been many times in this in very in the last few presidencies where I feel like lots of different people have been persecuted in unfair ways and I've prayed for every president that I've ever lived under mm-hmm. I think Mm-hmm. when I prayed in my praying season. Yeah. Um, but I do I do more than anything dislike that you are not allowed to disagree. You're not allowed to think a different way. You're not allowed to vote a different way in either one because I probably would have never voted right if I hadn't witnessed what I witnessed in L.A. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because that was, that was a debacle. That was crazy. Right. And I lived, and I lived literally in the. I was on my front door during most of it, and you look at it, and I'm going like, I, both 
far left, far right is very dangerous right now, it feels like. And I'm like, how do we get back to a place where things can level out and get to, okay, we disagree, we believe very different things, but we all want to better society, better our country, and better the world through the product of our politics and the things that we believe. But I feel like we're so far from that space. Do you think we can ever get back there again? In the condition that we are in now. Well, that's why I wanted us to do this podcast is it feels like things are going to get worse before they get better. And, and, and what, what to me is fascinating is that we can't make this nation better until we can actually accept each other with our different views. Mm. And, it, it, you know, our, we had a neighbor walk by walking her dog and Kim started talking to her yesterday and... And, uh, and she, they started talking politics almost instantly, which I'm surprised, you, you know, your mom was talking politics. And, and of course the woman, cause it's our neighborhood, you know, said, um, you know, I voted for Biden and she assumed, you know, that everyone did, you, you know, that we well, all did. We should jump into that too, but keep going. And, yeah. and, 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 and Kim said, oh, so you, you like Biden? And she goes, well, what I know is I voted against Trump. And, and I think it's, it, it's time we have a woman in the highest office. And I, and I said, so you didn't actually vote for Biden, you vote for uh, Kamala. And she goes, yeah, I think it's, I think it's time for a woman to hold, um, for women to have the highest offices. And then she went on to speak really in, a, in, a, in, in an incredibly negative way about um, the new Supreme Court justice, who's a woman. And I thought, how, how interesting how she was saying, Kamala Harris needs to be president because she's a woman, but this woman should not be a Supreme Court justice, even though she's a woman, is I realize we're not really honest about even why we're doing what we're doing, or maybe we're not even aware of it, because if she was for women, she would be for both those women. And I'm going, it's really interesting. I think a lot of people are voting for Kamala. They're not actually voting for Biden. Yeah. Um, and well, she's probably the stronger of the two candidates or pe yeah. people. And, yeah. And, and I, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm upset because the Democratic Party had four years to give us a better candidate. And 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 the Democratic Party had eight years with President Obama to raise up some really great candidates. And the Republican Party, to me, um, was um, unexpectedly co-opted by yeah, they got Donald <laughs> Trump. I don't think there was a single person in the Republican Party who expected that to happen. Not one. And I don't think they were happy about it. And I also think they, they got bamboozled. <laughs> Because Donald Trump wasn't a Republican, he was a Democrat until more recent <laughs> that's, times. That's the other thing that the that that no one wants to talk about either. Yeah, basically, I'm at the DMV with a friend. He's talking about how all the people that he works with are big actors, mm -hmm. big athletes, big business, and how they all have like these Biden Harris signs outside their house. And he's like, because I. I work with them a lot. I see how they actually vote mm -hmm. and we talk about it. And he's like, not one of them are voting for Biden Harris. They're all, they all have the flags. They all donate. They all do the things publicly. They all post about it. Not one of them. Not one of them. When I asked them, are you, are you voting? Like, no, not, not at all. Like not going to vote for that. Going to, going to always save my money and, and, and make sure I don't pay taxes. It is wildly true across the LA. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, you know, I go to a, um, a person, I'm one of their clients, and they have a lot of famous clients, but almost all their clients are black except for me. And um, 
and they told me that every single one of their clients who's a black man is voting for Trump. But quietly. But they can't say it out loud, they said. Right. Or they'll never work again in L.A., pretty much. Right. Which is pretty true across the board. Right. And and part of the reason we're having this conversation on Tuesday is we're not trying to influence people's voting. We're actually trying to influence people's thinking. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I, I want to say this, though. The reason yeah. I'm talking about who I'm voting for is because you can be mad at me. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It, whatever. I'm mad at me. What do I lose? <laughs> if you, Like, you have more to lose in this. And, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean it in this, like, I think I'm always going to be the example on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't say who I'm voting for to make you mad or to to like help sway you. I say that going like just be able like don't if you have friends that you can't be who you really are with, they aren't your friends. Mm-hmm. If you work in a city that will not hire you despite whether you agree with them or disagree with them, you sh- get out. Like this mentality that we're like completely succumb to and controlled by this this thinking of mm-hmm. if you are not left or if you are not right you cannot survive inside of our world or in our circle i think that's got to go that's got yeah. that's got to die and i look at our room right here and i know we have people in this room who uh, voted for um the democratic party i know we have people in this room who voted for the republican party and uh, are terrified to say it and they don't want me to single them out and uh <laughs> and they're laughing in the background i also know there are people in this room who voted for the libertarian party and i imagine there are people in mosaic who voted for the green party although that probably didn't uh show up on the there's radar a, there's a green party in the u.s yes i i don't think anyone in our in our group here voted for kanye but no i don't think so either. and uh that would be an interesting thing and I think that's he would what, definitely redesign the White House, and it would definitely get very cool. And it would definitely have great church services at the White House. And we would change the um, the Star Smell banner, something, <clears throat> something much black more gospel would be design. pretty, pretty, yes. pretty dope. And uh, but I, I think here's the thing: mosaic to me is the idea of a better future. Yes, and what is the better future? Where we can actually have dissenting views and believe that everyone is well motivated to make the world better, and that we don't have to use fear to coerce people into conformity of ideas. Um, If you believe your ideas are better, then just communicate your ideas and let the better idea elevate. And um, we have better conversations here off the mic with our dissenting views a lot of times than we have on the mic. Uh, Because off the mic, we're all committed to each other. And we know that even if we disagree, we're, we're going to... Uh, come through this together as a, as a community. And this is what's so important to me that we learn as Americans to oh, maybe to once again embrace each other as Americans. I'm an immigrant. I love this country. I love belonging to this country. I love being an American. I, I mean, even when I would hear things like, well, you know, uh, I think sometimes at some point along the way, like Bernie Sanders had a view of a 90% tax. And like, Wait, no, no, you, you were saying something though. I'm sorry, I took you off. The, you were off the course, but you yeah, no. Something. What I'm saying is that we need to learn how to be an American family. We need to learn yeah. how to be for each other. We do. Uh, we need to make sure that we don't collapse as a society because we are always against each other and creating. Um, we, we demonize the other side, and uh, I love the fact that in our own family we can have dissenting views, dissenting positions, dissenting uh, perceptions on how to make the world better, and still love each other, respect each other, and move forward together. I think that's who Mosaic is, and. Um, you know, Mosaic is a church 
a community filled with Democrats and Republicans. It's a, it's a community filled with liberals and conservatives. We have people at Mosaic who would call themselves socialists or anarchists. We have people at Mosaic who would call themselves uh, Tea Party and Libertarian. And apparently the Green Party. And, and yeah, there are people in our church where environmentalism is the most important issue in their life. Oh, I am not. I'm, I'm only joking that I'm only joking. And, I genuinely do care about the environment more, more than I ever have before. So that's just. And, and I think you need to realize that. Yes. Um, presidential elections are not permanent. No. And, and whatever happens today, um, deal with your disappointment as an American citizen in a democracy. Uh, and because frankly, no matter who wins, I am going to be deeply disappointed. <laughs> and I, I'm just yeah, telling you, I agree with uh, you. Um, I actually think that there are things that if um, if the Republicans win, that I will be deeply disappointed. And there are things if the Democrats win, I'm going to be deeply disappointed. And I have to live in the reality of dis that disappointment. But I'm not going to let the disappointment define me. I'm going to use the material of that environment to create a better world. I am not limited by whether Donald Trump or Joe Biden becomes president. I am limited by my own fear, my own apathy, my own inertia. I can create a better world with either one of them in power. I can create a better world with either party in charge. And and I I, I just think that to put all you your power can, in a vote, You can. I can't. That is the that is the difference. No, you can. No, 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 but I'm not saying I, no, no, I I can theoretically. But there are certain there are certain aspects that I cannot get out of if I'm not allowed to be. Like the ramifications financially living in California in my tax bracket is so incredibly hard. I'm not alone either. There's yeah. thousands and thousands of kids. LA is becoming almost impossible to live in it will not get better with 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 one party or the other there there definitely needs to be like a, a reform across the board with both parties of like how we live in major cities how we construct schools we talk about this all the time how could you have raised us in this city <laughs> you to, to go to a decent school you have to pay like a college fee to like send your kid mm -hmm. to school in LA if you live in LA you can go 30 minutes outside and you can go to a public school but it's probably very terrible I the thing I the thing I worry about is you're talking about inside of our own mind taking control of our own life we can make things better if we choose to make things better not only just for ourselves but for other people and and but how how do you make that a reality? But to not let parties monopolize how our thinking is structured you're a person who actually fights for people to have choice you believe that women should have choice you, even though i don't agree with the choice yeah you're a person who actually has stood for gay rights yes but you're, that i will i'll never change yeah probably never and you believe you fight for these things yes and at the same time you're also a person who believes in a meritocracy you you don't want the government taxing you no uh, and uh, more and more pockets. and more and Please. and and you want an opportunity to create a future that's based on your willingness to work hard, your talent, your your drive, your determination. I don't want to be taxed heavily. So let me live in the Wild West of, of <laughs> you know, maybe I get less from the government. Maybe I don't get certain aspects, but I get taxed less. So I'm able to do more business. 
if you want a a fully you know 360 government where you know you take a certain check take the 75k but then let the rest of us go and fight for the for the, the billions and trillions <laughs> and millions and everything else because i do think it's a tough thing when you're in both when you're like okay but i want all the support but then i want the potential to get all of the capital and i'm like no take the support but then let the rest of us get the capital <laughs> No, I don't know. I'm just like, okay, like, is the idea of do you want to eat at the buffet or do you want to go hunt? You might starve. You see, and I want to go hunt. But do you? But you might also. But you might also get. I get may go hungry. That's right. I may go hung, hungry because I I don't catch anything in the see, hunt. And I'd rather die in the wild. Yeah. But know that I eat by my own hands, than get free stuff. But thank you for not let, for not making me pay rent all those years, though. <laughs> Super grateful for that. He was eating. I'm sure to say he, he was eating at the buffet. <laughs> I was eating at the buffet. But I think. But I was also. Yeah. He was also young. But, right? but at the same time, I want to make sure people in our society, in our nation, who are um, living in poverty, who do not have opportunity, who have fewer options for breaking the cycle of poverty to have more and more opportunity. And I want us as a society to find ways to create that common good for everyone. I just don't think it's bigger and bigger government. I think it's 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 bigger and bigger human you, commitment to you others. You broke the cycle of poverty. How did you do it? Yeah, I don't think people realize how poor I was. Yeah, people don't people don't accept that I that I grew up in your poverty. Yeah, because I, I, I wasn't poor. I was a kid. I was happy. It's funny because when I, I don't post pictures of of things like the World Series, really, because I just I, I get tired of all the hate. But some of my friends who went posted the photographs, and someone saw them, and and then they send me a DM. Wow, you must be really rich. And and so I'm just going to give a disclosure right here. I am really rich. <laughs> and uh, oh man, because here I, it goes. This is the one that's going to get us. <laughs> And because I've worked my butt off as a futurist, I've I've worked as a writer, as a consultant, I, I've worked as, as a, a consultant. I've I've owned multiple companies in my life. I've run five companies at one time, and sold a few. And I was well. always basically the biggest giver to the church at our church. And so, no, no, not almost always. Pretty much always was, until, yeah. until you made a few other friends that were wealthier than you that didn't go to Mosaic. You started giving to Mosaic because yes. they were your friends. Only in the last few years, wealthier people have been giving to Mosaic. But before that, Kim and I were the biggest givers to the church. And so when people indict you for success, I, I think it's one of those odd things where I, I'm a business person who gave his volunteer time to be a pastor and to build the church. How is that unethical? And so I can't afford to go to the World Series, and I can't afford to create experiences for other people, and I do. But there was a time in my life where I didn't have enough money to wash clothes. I was working minimum wage jobs. I was flipping hamburgers. I was working construction. I worked as a, as a lumberjack. I worked as a carpenter. And, uh, and there were times where I would just sit and even when I would weep, not knowing if I could eat or pay the bills or make it through another day. And then when Kim and I were married, uh, we slept on the floor because we could not afford a bed. I don't think from the age of 18 to 32, I made more than $16,000 a year. $16,000 a year at my highest income 
A lot of those years, it was 8000 10000 You turned 12, down 000. money. You turned down money. Left money on the table. Absolutely. Turned down incomes of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Do you think you should have taken those now? <laughs> I'm asking. No, I'm asking. No, no, because I, I wonder this. I wonder. I wonder this. Would you take the same road twice? Well, I, I like variety, so I would take a different road. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like logic would say, no, never. Right? You, no one would ever take the same road twice because you've learned. No, I, I, I turned down seven-figure opportunities, and I probably, probably should have taken them. It would have created more freedom for me later. I didn't realize. Um, that I was uh, limiting my opportunities because at that time in my life, I was anti-materialism, anti-wealth. And I, I had this, I was actually very much in, in some ways like a socialist. And, um, and I, I, I believed that money was evil. But you were very, you very much had Martin Luther vibes. And, and, <laughs> and in the Reformation, like you were very much. I was a monastic. Yeah. You were anti-money in the church. You were anti-big church money. You were anti-big economy. You and did was, not like the the showiness of pastors in the church. And just and, and even at a broad level, I just didn't like the corruption of what I saw was wealth. And and I began uh, dealing with the hard issues that corruption had nothing to do with wealth or poverty. It had to do with the human condition. Mm. And that if I had the capacity to create wealth, it was. It was evil for me to not create wealth to provide good for others. When did that switch happen for you? When did that, that light bulb switch from going like, okay, like I, I, instead of trying to take the system down and doing it my own way completely and entirely, and and because and, I see it sometimes even the way you like mm -hmm. connect with certain people and don't, you never connect with someone based off of their economic value. No. Almost to the point of your own detriment, where I'm like, that person could actually help dramatically change the situation of certain things, whether yeah. investing in a project or whether... You've turned down people's money to our church because you didn't feel like it came from the right place. Yeah. And what switched when you were like, nope, okay, God, God gave that thing to me, the spiritual gift of gener like generous, being like being generative, being generous, yeah. and I'm going to actually create wealth and yeah. do this thing. I, I literally came home one day mm -hmm. and told Kim, I think God just gave me permission to go create wealth. How old are you? Um, 33, 34. Interesting. Interesting. And Kim said, what? <laughs> She goes, you know how to make money? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And That's said, really funny. I said, I've always known how to make money. I started a business when I was 15 years old. I, I knew how to create wealth. I, I was financially independent from before I was out of high school. And I was bringing groceries to my family. And, um, you know, I was working 40 hours a week in my junior and senior year. And and um, I, I've always known how to create wealth. And that's something my grandparents and my mom taught me. And... And so she goes, well, if you know how, you know, and go, do go it. for it, you know, and, and it was a mindset shift because I realized that I was actually living a very selfish life because I, I felt noble by living a minimalist life, but true nobility would be for me to create jobs for other people yeah. and to create opportunity for other people. And, um, and, and then I had to work my way through giving myself permission to enjoy the benefit of that work. It was hard for me to enjoy the benefit of like buying clothes or buying like shoes. Decades, or, decades. It took long. me decades. Decades. Because I, I think I inherited that because I remember you would send me to college and 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 I had the gift of of not having to work. I, mm -hmm. I would work in the summers. I think yeah. I think I was I think I did your fulfillment for your books. Yeah, you did. Back like when Amazon first existed <laughs> and it was dial up internet. And I remember mm -hmm. I would ship twelve I remember I shipped sixty books and it took me like almost twelve hours. Because this the internet was mm -hmm. so insanely slow, and I was like, Dad, I can't like I I don't think 
I can't do this. No one can do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we I did your first fulfillment. And then I think you made me the janitor at one of your companies. I think you like... I, I always started you below the bottom. <laughs> below the bottom. I would drive from Pepperdine, which is in Malibu. I lived a nice life in, in college. And and I would drive all the way to um to to downtown LA and I would scrub your office. And mm-hmm. you had this like one room that was all vintage materials and mm-hmm. it smelled so bad. And you'd be like, you gotta organize this. So I'd do that from like I don't rem- do you remember this? I would I do, do it from like nine PM, ten PM to like three in the morning. I'd drive back to school and wake up for class. And I remember I used to hustle in school because all the little like rich girls would um in, in my film program didn't know how to edit because they didn't want to learn so I would just like flip money and be like I'll edit your videos for you if you this is funny because I'm saying this to like an editor who's like you're a terrible editor <laughs> like all I did was like the little that I knew that was more than them and then just like get paid for it but I look back and I remember like, you would give me a little bit of money to like spend on whatever like my own stuff and, and you know and you'd give it to me for the year or for a few months and I remember at the end of the few months you'd be like, like how are you doing on money I'd be like oh I'm super good and you'd be like, what do you mean you're super good? And I'd be like, did you spend any of it? And I'd be like, no. Yeah, you never spent any <laughs> never spent a dollar. Because I remember growing up like that. And Mariah, I don't think, remembers it as much. I think she remembers now through through us. But I remember growing up really poor and being like, I, mm-hmm. I remember no, no one ever talked about money because there was nothing to talk about. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there, you didn't ask for things because there was there was nothing to, 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 to do. But I also remember never going hungry, never not having clothes. The clothes didn't always fit. But but it but I always always felt blessed and happy because you guys were blessed and happy. And then there was moments where there wasn't as much happiness. And then I remember getting like you got a check for a book, which is crazy now because like that check now is so little in comparison. And yet that first check I ever got for a book, we gave all of it to the church. And you cried, like everyone cried. It was beautiful. And, and now and I look back at now I'm like that's ridiculous, like that's insane. Because now like in scale, God has blessed us so much, and 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 I'm proud of it maybe a little too proud of it but i remember growing up being really ashamed of it being like man like to 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 we've changed we've our life has changed we've become really blessed and you know is that a christian thing to have is mm-hmm. it you know when you don't grow up wealthy you don't really see a lot of wealth and mm-hmm. so then when you get thrown into this world of wealth and i feel like god has always put us in circles that are kind of beyond us mm-hmm. maybe not for you cuz you're a little bit of a genius a lot of a genius but maybe for me where i'm like okay god this pool is really deep and i'm not sure i can hold my breath this long yeah. and in but i remember but but being in those circles i'm like okay god what are you doing here because i feel out of place yeah you know it's interesting this conversation is kind of evolved to a different space, but I can, I, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, but, um, I, I know that I could have made millions upon millions upon millions of dollars and I chose not to because of the hate I felt I would receive from the Christian world. Mm. And, and, and so there's been so many times where I've actually mitigated my success to fit within the expectations of other people. Do you feel like that's societal pressure? Because if you're in Texas or if you're in, <laughs> no, I mean, but if you're in Atlanta, there's a very different expectation for, and a very different acceptance level for people who, you know, I always use, I don't want to use this example, but I also kind of want to use this example because I think people, I don't think it's as big of an issue now because I think as you get older and they've seen you put out 11 books that have done really well and you've, and when you're super open about not taking a salary for like 15 years or like it was below 20,000 or whatever, 
you you you've built a really great reputation for being honorable but i think when you have these big big speakers in the south who are you remember that article that 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 guy i can't remember his name was like i'm praying i'm calling and i'm praying for a new plane do you remember that whole thing yeah see those people embarrass me wait but hold on but hold yes they they embarrassed me too (laughs) i was i was like appalled did he get the plane though yeah google him he did he got the plane and i'm like okay not that that's a great example. This right. is like but outlandish. That, but to me, that's a different. That's not being generative. That's that's being cons- being a consumer. He's consumptive. He's asking people to give him their money so he can have more stuff. Right. But the point. But the, I was always no, generative. That, you would, you've never asked for anything except for to buy the building, and your friends, all your friends, stepped up. Yeah, and then I, thank God we didn't because COVID. You know, for me, it was always about starting companies, creating ideas, generating wealth. And creating jobs for people in the 2008 pandemic, that's when I was motivated to start several businesses so I could employ 40, 50, 60 people at one time. Yeah, you did. And a lot of my friends, actually. So thank you very much. Um, But you fired me first, which, well, (laughs) yeah, I guess. Um, I say that to say this is that we never know what God's doing Mm -hmm. because I don't understand why that guy got another plane. He already had a plane. The funny thing is he was asking for a new plane. He already had a plane and then he wanted a new one. And I'm like, let's see what God does. And maybe it was humans that did it, but I'm like, God use, works through humans a lot. So I, always, I ne- one thing that you've taught me, and I think a lot of the other guys that are in your world have taught me, like, just don't ever second guess what God can do. It may not be your thing. Mm-hmm. You may not even understand it. You may never be able to understand it, but knowing that God is doing something through those people. And like I said this in this email, and I said it, I'm like, I don't choose the perfect candidate because I, I know that the per- I've never been the perfect person, so there's no way I'm ever going to choose a perfect candidate. I'm going to choose the person I feel more comfortable with in the moment. And like I said, when I went to Arizona over the weekend, I felt really uncomfortable. And then I just went, you know what, though? Like, I reserve the right in four years. That is the thing. What I love about you in this, and to some, maybe sum a little bit of this up and going to another subject, because I think we have it in us. We're just vibing today. Um, do not follow us because of our politics. Follow us because we think and we're willing to think differently each time because I think that's what happens, right? We get let down because we're like, well, we thought you were this. Well, it was on you for thinking something that no one said. (laughs) Well, you said you voted for this guy one time. Yeah, but I also voted for Barack and if Barack came back, I'd vote for him again. (laughs) If Barack said, I'll adopt you, I'd say yes. And if Michelle Obama ran. Then I would say you're the queen of the world because I believe it and she is and, and, and I don't like her politics, but I'd rather vote for someone who I feel like has the character and... And I listened to her podcast, and now I think being 12 years older, I absolutely disagree with almost all of her political positions. What I agree with, though, is who she is, and I trust her. And so when I say that, you can you can say I'm confused. You can say I'm not a true Republican or a true Democrat, but you can also just say that I'm 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 reserving the right to 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 change my mind mm-hmm. and to vote for who I feel like in my heart is the right person, even though maybe this time it's not the right person, but I do feel like it's maybe the right way this time. And I don't know. I feel torn. I feel I'm in turmoil. But but I'm I'm glad you're in turmoil. And I'm glad that our family has voted almost a whole spectrum of options because that's the whole point. Um, Hey, by the way, if you're listening and you want to send us uh, hate because we didn't choose your political side, uh, could you just not? Yeah. And uh, because that's not that's the whole point of this is we got to end the hate. Yeah. And start respecting each other. And um, and start appreciating the fact that people can try 
can believe that we should all create a better world and have different approaches to how to create that. And sometimes it's a mix of things, you know, because um, like if you take us issue by issue, I think that we're, we're really thoughtful about things. And, um, you know, our family all deeply cares about social justice. Our family really cares about, um, you know, racism. And our family cares about um, creating a society where everyone matters, where everyone is free, where everyone is respected and cared for. And and we're all trying to get there. And sometimes we think, no, this policy weighs more than this policy. And and that's what I mean, that voting should be complex. Voting should uh, shouldn't be monolithic, no, and right. and we shouldn't define people by the one issue that we think indicts the other person. And you shouldn't just vote your party, and you shouldn't just vote your friends, and you definitely shouldn't vote your faith. You need to, but I I think people need it because like I, I, we all sat around the table, whether mm-hmm. it was phones or phone calls and texts, and we were all going, "What do you think about this?" or "What? Mm-hmm. What are you voting on this?" Mm-hmm. And none of us voted the same way, but we all talked about it and had like a dialogue. And mm-hmm. I really do love. And we were like, everyone's yelling, everyone's laughing, <laughs> everyone's talking about it, you know. And and I think we're able to leave it there because you know me and Mariah do not agree, <laughs> but we also like love each other so much that mm-hmm. it, it's it's going to be okay. But I do think that this reality of us not being able to be who we are and say what we really think and talk about who we voted for, like, why is this such a, not that why is this such a big deal? I I know it's a big deal. Why are we so quick to cut each other off? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I know people move to LA from other states that go, I can never tell them what I really think. I'm like, then you're never, you're never going to be who you really are then. Because you should be able to go like, I just fully disagree with you. You're crazy without them going, you know, you're crazy because you believe in God and you think this and X, Y, Z. I'm like, man, just because I believe in God does not mean I'm not human. So I'll go back to my other statement. No matter who you voted for, you voted for the wrong person. (laughs) Maybe. maybe, I'm just saying that, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek. But what I'm saying is um, the most important thing now coming out of Tuesday. is who we are. Is... How do you deal with disappointment? How do you deal with not getting what you wanted? How do you deal with your party not winning this time, your yeah. candidate losing? Um, can we treat each other with mutual respect? If you, yeah. uh, if you find yourself winning, can you use powered grace? If you find yourself on the losing side, can you learn how to cooperate and work within a democracy? And, and to believe that if you can form better ideas, and elevate better candidates, uh, then you can create a better future. Yeah, and I think about it, and this thing that, I agree with everything you're saying, I agree with everything you're saying. Um, And I appreciate the dialogue, because I think one, I wanted to come out and say some things because I want to say it and I want to see, like, if you want to email hate, you can email Aaron at badreadypodcast.com. It goes into my junk mail. (laughs) And I do not respond. Because I don't respond to anyone who doesn't disagree with respect. With respect, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And and what did I what do I say to you? I said if people you don't invite people who talk trash into your kitchen, like and who just walk out, like you just you you only invite people who can disagree and have a civil conversation and who can sit down at dinner and go, I disagree with you and XYZ. And you have so many friends who disagree with each other. You have friends who call each other socialists and you know Oh like, my god. <laughs> and please, if you are my friends, don't DM me and start sharing all your positions with me. I, I this podcast is not 
to spur private conversations with me and Aaron. This this podcast is to spur private conversations between you and your friends. And your friends, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and with that said, I, I will be heartbroken if LA is lit on fire again. Like I think I'm having a hard time in the city yeah. because it's actually affecting me emotionally what we do to our own people and our own selves. And and I'm so against racism and I understand that that's a hard thing to say when you say you voted this way or you voted this way. But I, I hope that no one categorizes me in one box or the other looking at the choices I've made over my life and the journey I've gone through. But I do also believe that we are better as a society than for us to burn the cities that we live in. Hey, we love LA. We love LA. Let's, let's take care of our city no matter who wins and who loses. Let's, uh, let's not justify rioting or looting or destruction or burning property. Uh, let's love each other. Let's be respectful of each other. Yeah, because I think that's the and that's the easy way out, right? Like, like we go and burn stuff, and we like, and you're like, yeah, it's the Boston Tea Party, or it's this, this, and this. And I'm like, no, like you want to, you want to go and do something. Like, shut your mouth, put eight years in, go to law school, become the next Barack Obama, or become the next Ronald Reagan, and go become the next JFK and change the world. Become the next Martin Luther King and change the world. Do not go out and burn something because that's what you can do in the moment. I think that's the difference of our generation, my generation mm -hmm. right now. It's like, what can you do in the moment to make yourself feel emotionally relieved? Right? Yeah. And it's like it's pouting and throwing a fit, lighting stuff on fire, throwing stuff through a window and just stealing stuff. Like, do not let other people's actions be the determinant factor in you being destructive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful we live in a rare time in history where we actually get to vote. Yeah. I mean, human history uh, doesn't really lend itself toward us having an opinion. <laughs> and so we actually get to vote and, and we get to have a voice. We get to create a better world. And, um, and honestly, I mean, see, this is a part of me that I'm so optimistic. I don't even think that either party can stop us from making a better world if we'll commit ourselves to it. I agree. I agree. I would just like to pay less taxes. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. I, that's like all I did. Like I would like, yeah, let me be, let me be me <laughs> and let's change the world. But like, honestly, we've been talking for a long time and we got a lot to edit here. We do. Okay. Should all we right. wrap it up? Hey, wrap it up. How you wrap it up? Honestly, this thing is over. We've talked this thing out and we could keep talking about it and we're going to keep talking about it. Um, probably talk about it again on Friday and kind of recap. With that said, um, you know, once, once election's over, you're not done. Let's keep no, going. No, no. I, I think once election's over, I think it'd be fun to talk about some policies. Would right? love to. Along the way. Yeah. I, the reason I, I didn't want to before the election is I didn't want anyone to feel like we were using our platform to try to sway people in the election. Yeah, no. My only, like, if I yeah. could give anyone advice, do research, go and vote. Just go and vote. Yeah. Like, like use use your American right to vote and 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 think and like treat it like the greatest gift in the world that you get to go out there and you get to vote. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's such a weird time right now with COVID and and mail in ballots and everything. And everyone's gonna say it's rigged. This is the thing. Everyone's gonna say it's rigged. Either way. Yeah. Either way. And just like understand that it's gonna be okay at the end of the day. And yeah. there's gonna be hard times either way. Yeah. And and a lot of people who vote here in LA or in California, um, they'll say, well, it doesn't really matter because no matter how you vote, it's going to come out, you know, Democrat. And I go, well, it still matters because exercising your right to vote, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or whatever, I, I think that there are healthier 
future options in a two-party system. I think a two-party system allows too much power um, yeah, to ingrained entrenched political systems. But that's just my opinion. So, you know, and, no, but I would, uh, and I'm going to try to make a better world. <laughs> I would agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you that the third, a third party matters. But it just seems like it's become so heavily one or the other that yeah. maybe that's maybe that's the direction we need to go. I hope that there's stronger candidates that can go into the third party and make the third party something that's equal weight to go like, hey, look, this is anti-corruption. This is anti-big government, anti-little government. This is anti-people going sick. It's anti-people having like going poor. And I'm poor. not even saying like, the candidates in this third party are better than any other party. I think it's still important to have an open mind. I think it's important to allow each person to vote their conscience and their best decisions. I think this bullying culture where people are afraid to say who they're for has got to come to an end. And I hope whoever wins this election that we can actually become um, an America where we have open dialogues, open conversations, stop demonizing each other, and actually together can create a better world. Yes. And Please. With that. I think it's over. Um, you can rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Hit subscribe. You can subscribe to the YouTube. You can um, listen to us on Spotify and a few other places. Um, we are excited to have this conversation. I'm honored to have this conversation with you, my dad, and I hope that as I grow in every aspect of my life that I will handle disappointment better. And I do And I do believe my generation and, and our humanity will handle disappointment better so this is it for now i'm sure we'll cut some things out probably my stuff and we will see you on friday on battle ready podcast thank you dad all right hey thank you buddy love you love you too